morning, you guys. I have been gone for the last three Sundays, and I have missed you. We've missed you too, Steph. Thank you. I'm so glad that the feeling is mutual. Um, but I'm really excited about our Colossians series, Jesus, Bring Us to Life. There's nothing better than the feeling of coming alive, knowing your purpose, and living life to the fullest extent as a follower of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to continue in Colossians, and we're going to be taking a look at leadership in the kingdom. And truthfully, I actually have a bit of a love-hate relationship with the word leadership because I had a teacher in seventh grade tell me that I wasn't a leader and that I was a follower. And it labeled me all through high school and all through college. And I could see leadership qualities in other people, I just couldn't see them in myself because my picture or my definition of leadership, it was off. And once I was able to see what leadership actually was in the kingdom of God, I was able to show up more confident and more aware of the ways that I could partner with what God was doing in the world around me. See, many of us actually have a skewed picture of leadership. We often think of leadership as power and authority and influence, leading large masses of people, being a top CEO of a company, having a really great podcast, or being a social media influencer. Or others of us, We've had bad bosses that have acted as dictators lording over us, or we've had somebody in some type of leadership position over us that's actually hurt us. And these experiences have left us maybe confused or resistant about leadership, because some of those things, like authority and, and um, influence, they are part of being a leader. They're byproducts of leadership. But in God's kingdom, leadership is measured differently. Leadership in the kingdom is about people who are living with integrity, serving other people, who are committed to and sharing the gospel. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that I wish somebody would have told seventh grade Steph. Every Christian falls into the category of a leader. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are responsible to lead yourself. You are responsible to lead yourself towards Jesus because where you go, others will see and some will even follow. And if you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you're not so sure about this whole church thing, maybe you're not so sure about this God stuff, I wanna invite you in to consider this morning the things that we talk about. What would, what, what, how would you feel about Jesus, or what, how could it shape the way you see Jesus as we talk about these things when it comes to leadership? And so in today's passage, we're going to see how Paul not just tells us about how to take good steps towards leadership, we're gonna see how he's living them out in his own life as a model for us to follow so that we too can come fully alive. Let me pray for our time this morning. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here with us. We know that you are here with us as we laugh and as we worship. 
And we want more. We want more of you in our lives. We want to be fully alive. We want to know the goodness of you, the goodness of your faithfulness in each one of our lives. And so would you come and would you meet us this morning? Would you speak to us this morning, Jesus? Amen. All right, so we're going to read Colossians 1, 24 to 29. And here is what it says. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Leadership in the kingdom is measured by integrity. And if you've been following along in our sermon series, you already know that Paul is writing to the church from prison. And in verse 24, he says that he's suffering for them. He is suffering for the church. He's physically in pain. He's chained up. He's probably being beaten, not fed consistently. He's literally suffering. And then he goes on to say, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul's telling us that he's okay with suffering because he's true to his beliefs. He's true to Jesus. He's modeling integrity. And he's letting us know that as followers of Jesus, pain is unavoidable. Because what is true for Christ is true for us. Just think about it. Jesus, the very one freely offering the kingdom of God, was met by the world with hatred. He was made fun of, he was yelled at, he was spit on, until finally he was murdered. And all of his suffering was a manifestation of his love for us. Like Paul's suffering is his love for them, his love for the church. And because Jesus suffered, we too will suffer. And for some of us, suffering is just going to a job that you absolutely hate. Or it's dealing with difficult people, difficult family, difficult friendships. Maybe it's losing someone that you love. Or maybe you're home with your kids this summer, and all they do is say how bored they are. I do believe that is a form of suffering. (laughs) Our suffering is an opportunity for others to see the love of Christ and how we respond, it matters. Now I mentioned I had been gone for a few weeks, a few Sundays, and part of my time away was on a missions trip. I had seven students and two leaders Thank you, Jesus, for Dan Plies and Kevin Gamrat, you guys. 
If you see them, thank them for me, because they're amazing. And we headed off to West Virginia with Convoy of Hope to serve a local church in the town of Philippi. And when we got there, we got our team together and we had a meeting. And in that meeting, we talked about how this week, it was gonna come with some challenges. Our bodies would feel tired and sore from working so hard. Our sleep might not be great because we weren't at home sleeping on our own beds. And we're probably gonna find ourselves hungry at different times because the time change and we're working so hard that you're gonna be hungry more often or you're gonna be socially drained from being with Steph for so many days in a row. Okay, one student actually called me the energy equalizer. <laughs> I'm like, I might need that on a t-shirt. And when those things happen, it can be hard to show up well. And so when those moments arrive, we need to remember who we're representing. We are representing the vineyard. We are representing Convoy of Hope. But most importantly, we're representing Jesus and the hope of glory. And that's why integrity is a part of leadership in the kingdom. A person with integrity is someone who does the right thing even behind closed doors, even when choosing the right thing feels impossible. But instead of forcing this best behavior mindset, we can see that Paul has a unique perspective about his suffering. He's actually rejoicing. That's because our integrity, it points to something more. It means that we are being true to the hope of Jesus. In one of Paul's letters to the Philippians, in Philippians 1.29, it says, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. He considers it a privilege to suffer because it's an opportunity to model with integrity the hope that we have in Jesus, to share with others while in our pain that the spirit of the living God is in us and moving us forward no matter what our life looks like. And that's the very thing that Paul's rejoicing about. If you find yourself in a season of life where your future feels unknown or it feels even scary, like we know that scripture says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to bring you a hope and a future. If you're suffering from loneliness, we read in scripture, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid for you are with me. You are close beside me. Our suffering allows us to strengthen our faith and really get in touch with the hope that we have in Jesus, that God has promised to restore us and he will continue his good work in us. And this truth, it allows us to show up with genuine integrity, pointing ourselves and others towards the hope for the world. Leadership in the kingdom is also a responsibility and a joy in service. In verse 25, Paul describes himself as a servant. And we can see this type of servanthood actually unfold in two ways. And the first is being a servant of others. So Paul was a missionary for the Lord, 
but he took his role very seriously when it came to serving others. Paul was actually a tent maker, and he used the finances from his business to not only support himself, but to support other communities as well. He made sure that he wasn't just preaching the gospel with words, but that he was demonstrating it by caring for other people's practical needs, anyone that was around him. But it is just not that easy for us to live life so sacrificially, is it? Like, especially when we live in this me-first culture. And this was actually something that God spoke directly to me about when we were on the missions trip. See, one of the things that I love about missions trips is that you typically get to see ministry happening like right in front of you. I've seen demons cast out. I've seen healings take place. God answers prayers on the spot because an immediate need has come up and you need him to move. There's just like this expectation for God to meet you. But this trip, it wasn't quite like that. We, we actually, we didn't have any big problems. We were on a job site at this church and you could tell that they actually funnel missions trips teams in continually to where I found myself asking God, I'm like, are we just like another number in the system here? Like, I want to see you move mightily. I want to come home and have like these crazy stories to tell people. Like, you're never going to believe what I saw God do in the lives of the people that were, I was with. And as I prayed, I felt like God said to me, Steph, You are here to plant seeds, water the ground, and pull weeds. You are here to serve the people right in front of you. And then, the next morning, every morning we would have a devotional. This is what our devotional said. It said, we're not meant to be seen as God's perfect, bright, shining examples but to be seen as the everyday essence of ordinary life exhibiting the miracle of his grace. Drudgery is the test of genuine character. The greatest hindrance in our spiritual life is that we will only look for big things to do. Yet Jesus took a towel and washed the disciples' feet. And so that's what we did. The students, they worked day after day serving the team at this church and serving a local family, doing some of the most monotonous jobs, some of the most unglamorous jobs. And one of those jobs was removing nails from an old barn. So they tore down an old barn so that they could repurpose the wood to build somebody's house who had burned down. And I am talking Oh, so like These are like multiple days. I'm talking hours and hours of pulling nails. And these students, they crushed it. None of them complained. But opportunities to serve others, it doesn't just happen while we're on mission trips. It's about developing a lifestyle of servanthood so that we can respond when the chance arrives. And we saw this in a guy named Tony. 
So along the way, on our travels, we, so we drove about 11 hours in a 15-passenger van, fully loaded, and we stopped at Fremont, Ohio at a vineyard church. And we were exhausted, we were ready to you know, stretch out some limbs, and we were met at the church by a guy named Tony, and he opened up the building for us, he showed us around, and then he said that he would actually be back in the morning. And I was like, Tony, you've done enough, I have a couch to sleep on, I feel like I've hit the jackpot. But in the morning, Tony showed up with two carafes of coffee. And when you are on a missions trip, coffee literally is a love language. I may have packed my own coffee pot. I'm not going to lie to you. Someone's like, Steph, why is, your, why is your suitcase so big? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's because I packed a small kitchen appliance in there. <laughs> Tony shows up with two carafes of coffee, two boxes of freshly baked local donuts. He had fresh fruit, he had juice, waters, and then he spent time with each student asking them about themselves and what they were hoping to experience on the mission trip so that he could be praying for them. That is next level hospitality. That is servant leadership, showing up like Jesus would. Another person that we met on the trip was named Rustin. And he was kind of the main guy running all of like the projects and all the things that we were doing. And his motto to life was that he wanted to preach the gospel without words. He wanted his life to be of service to others. So here's the thing, many people that live in the town of Philippi, they are born and raised there and they never leave, not even for like a vacation. And it can be difficult for some of the people there to find a job or even take a next step in education or learning a trade. And so Rustin saw a need and he had built a woodworking workshop. And in this space, he allows local people to come in and be trained on how to use the tools so that they can actually build things to sell to other people and sell out in the community. But he also has, there's the workshop. He also has another, uh, a few other ministries. Um, he had a volleyball ministry, and he had a basketball ministry. He was working on a brand new ministry where um, he wanted to build a community of tiny houses so that people who age out of the foster care system had a safe place to learn how to become adults. And in that community, he wanted to have like a factory where they were actually building tiny houses for more of these communities to happen so that they could be earning an income and learning about money. He also had this other ministry that was about making solar lights. And he would ship these solar lights to all the areas of the world. He actually had a map of the world on this wall and there was all these little dots all over where he had sent his lights out to. So anywhere that someone had experienced a natural disaster or maybe their government had shut down their electricity, they could have some source of power, some source of light so that they could be safe at night. And honestly, this is a little bit of a side note, but crazy coincidence. So we're sitting there learning about all of Rustin's ministries and Kevin on our team, he, he has done a ton of missions work in Puerto Rico. And he goes, Rustin, are these lights like this big and like green? They're kind of like a shoebox? And he goes, yeah, that's them. He's like, 
crazy thing. I actually passed out your solar lights when I was doing missions work in Puerto Rico. And then so we thought that was crazy, and Rustin's like, well, it actually is great that you're here because I had a shipment of lights that I needed to get to Duluth, and ironically, you are here at the right time, and you're going to take lights back with you. And then, you guys, this week, I get a call about where I'm supposed to drop these lights off. And I'm like, okay, um, where do you live? I can drop them off whenever. And he's like, um, this is my address. He lives like three blocks from me. <laughs> and he's taking them to Ukraine. So crazy. God does the craziest things. But Rustin's life is about serving other people. And leadership in the kingdom is about lowering ourselves. It's looking out for the needs of others, regardless of our status or theirs. And that kind of leadership is bringing Tony and Russell and Kevin to life. What about us? Maybe that looks like offering to take the task at work or the chore at home that nobody else wants to do. It could be offering to give a ride to somebody who, you, who in your neighborhood doesn't have their own vehicle. And servant leadership doesn't have to be task-oriented. It could be about slowing down and listening to someone. It could be financially supporting someone. Ultimately, it depends on the posture of the heart. And in Ephesians, Paul says, we are to serve wholeheartedly as if serving for the Lord. And that is how we experience the joy of serving. We don't need anyone else to notice our sacrifice or, or even receive like proper thank yous for our offering because our service is bringing glory to God. And that is where we are going to experience the greatest joy. The second type of ser servant leadership that we're invited into is being a servant of the gospel. And in verse 26, it talks about the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages. And then in verse 27, it says, God has chosen to make this known to the Gentiles. So in the Colossian church, it was, there was likely a belief that spiritual perfection was a secret hidden plan that only a special few people would get to be a part of. It was meant to be exclusive. And so Paul is intentional in his language when he says the mystery that has been kept hidden. He's getting their attention and he's saying that everybody gets to be in. The mystery that was once hidden is Jesus coming to earth as a baby and dying for us and is now open to all who will hear it and let the power of God come into their lives and transform them, bring them to life. This is the hope of glory. And Paul has undoubtedly followed this example of Christ in laying down his life for others. He will stop at nothing to show others the love of Jesus and the hope that is offered to all people regardless of what it costs him because he knows that Christ offers the ultimate transformation. In West Virginia, we did a community outreach at a swimming pool. 
And I don't have a picture of the guy that I'm going to tell you about, but this is our students, some of our students jumping into the pool, having fun. And so we met this guy named Will. And Will told me that when he was young, he had a pretty abusive father. And that he actually saw a radical change in his father's behavior because he had come to know Jesus. And then shortly after his father had given his life to Jesus, he actually passed away. And the transformation that Will saw in his father's life was such a testimony to him that he committed his own life to the Lord and committed to using his life to serve the gospel. And then he went on to tell me that he had felt led by God to purchase a sports complex in like the next town over. And he said that the exact price of the complex was the exact amount of money that he had in his savings. And so he and his wife, they spent some time praying and discerning, and eventually they felt like that was what God was telling him to do. And so he purchased the complex, and he turned it into a nonprofit to serve local kids in the community. And he said the different ways that he incorporates the, the scripture to teach kids about Jesus is sometimes he'll offer a Bible study before a game, or he'll offer a Bible, Bible study after a game, or sometimes they'll play games like dodgeball, and if you get out, you have to memorize and recite a piece of scripture in order to get back into the game. And I was like, that's amazing. And I was already impressed. I asked if he had any big dreams for this sports complex. And he said... I know that there are some, but I don't know what they are yet because this is God's business and he hasn't told me yet and I'm waiting to hear about more. Let me ask you, is God the CEO of your company? Is God the CEO of you? Being a servant of the gospel means sharing the heart of God to all people everywhere we go. That could be at work or at school. It could be in the waiting room at the doctor's office. And sometimes I know we get hung up on like the right words to say, how do I share my faith? I don't really know how to share the gospel. Well, here at the Vineyard, Becca already let you in on a little secret. We have a class coming up. We use this phrase, can I pray for you right now as a way to usher in the kingdom at any given moment in our lives? But I actually think that we should add a second phrase to that. Can you come to church with me? What if sharing the gospel is as simple as inviting someone to church with you? We are spending time with people every single day who have no hope. They have no hope for change. They have no hope for tomorrow. But as a follower of Jesus, you hold the key. You hold the hope of glory. That God has promised to restore us and all of creation. It is a confident and an expectant hope that we are being changed by God and one day we will see Jesus face to face. And that change God working in us takes place when leadership in the kingdom is centered on a commitment to and sharing the gospel. 
So we can see in the life of Paul, making the gospel known is not always easy, but his commitment to the gospel and his passion to share it, with, share it is how God is working in him to bring transformation, to bring him to life. In verse 28 and 29, he says, Jesus, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul's hard work and struggles are the very thing that allow him to see the power of Christ showing up in his life. And so I asked a few of our students how their experience on the trip brought transformation in their own lives. And so here's what Cam shared. He said, my favorite part of the missions trip was playing with Joe. So this is little Joe, and Joe is the youngest boy in the family um, whose house burned down. So we were trying to help their family out. Just seeing how he doesn't have a care in the world except when we could play bikes. It was so much fun and so refreshing. I've really been trying to embody that playfulness and just enjoy the moment rather than worrying about having the perfect experience or doing everything exactly. And then Ethan. Ethan said, the most impactful thing on the missions trip, and I did not tell him to say this, let's just be clear, was being a servant like Jesus and taking the humble position to serve others. On the trip, I noticed how I was taking pride in the work I was doing, and I saw that I had pride in other areas of my life, like leading worship at home. So I will continue to carry humbleness in work and worship at home. Cam and Ethan both described how their commitment to and willingness to share the gospel allowed them to see their own weaknesses, perfectionism, and pride. As they leaned in, God met them and began to reshape their perspective, helping them show up more authentically, letting God fill in the gaps. In 2 Corinthians, Paul quotes Jesus, and he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, we come to life when Christ's power moves in us and through us, as we allow God to use our weaknesses and meet us in our hard work and our struggles Our commitment to and our willingness to share the gospel can leave us incredibly dependent on God and on his power. And what we see is within that dependency, it develops our faith. So one of the other outreaches that we did on the trip, um, it was a robotics outreach. And honestly, that alone feels like its own little miracle. I was on a, a call preparing for the trip, and Rustin was like, hey, we just got this donation of robotic stuff, and we don't really know what to do with it. Do you think that your students could lead a camp? Um, yes. Yes, I do. I have some robotics crazy kids. They can absolutely lead a camp. I honestly was shocked on that call that he even brought that up. So Caleb 
shared, the robotics camps were a highlight for me. The way the local kids' eyes lit up when they realized that they could build and program on their own was amazing. The robotics camp was done with no prior knowledge of what we would be working with, like what software or what type of Legos, if we even had enough pieces. So when we got there, we prayed for guidance, and God came through. So Caleb, along with a few other students, led an awesome robotics camp. And I was so impressed with how well they did. Our struggles develop our dependency, allowing our faith to grow. Leadership in the kingdom will always come with difficulty, but it's the very opportunity to see Christ's power move in our own lives. James 1:24 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because we know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what I, what I don't want you to hear this morning is that you have to take a week out of your life to go do kingdom work, to leave on a mission trip in order for God to work in your life. Everything that we did in West Virginia is something that can be done right here today. And to do that, it starts with leading yourself, hearing from God, on what he's inviting you into and taking the next steps. But doing that with integrity while serving others and staying committed to and sharing the gospel. And when we do those things, God will transform us as we share the hope of glory with the world. I wanna transition to ministry time, so I'm gonna invite you to stand with me And ministry time is just a space that we like to create as part of our services where we just get to kind of check in with what God's doing, hear from him on the things that he's kind of highlighting in our own lives, and just kind of take a next step towards God as he's been speaking to us this morning. So let me begin to pray for us. Um, you can make yourself as comfortable, you can put your hands out, you can close your eyes, whatever feels comfortable for you, but I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you be with us? And we know that you, Jesus, you are calling each and every one of us to live a life that you have like created for us that you are calling us into a life of leadership that's going to bring us alive. It's going to bring us to life. So this morning, I feel like there are some of us that we feel like we've been following Jesus for a while, but we feel like we've lost the vision of ministry. We feel like we've lost that call to ministry because maybe life's gotten too hard or it's gotten so busy and so, Jesus, I just pray that you would come and that you would supernaturally speak to those people that need to, to refocus their heart towards you. That you would give them words, that you would give them the moments to share their faith and their heart for you with the people that are around them. 
And I feel like there's others of us this morning that you either feel like you are way too uh, old or way too young to be called into any type of leadership. And that is actually a lie from the enemy because it will bench you. And so if you're here this morning and you feel like, I just don't know how this would look like in my life, I would love to invite you to get some prayer because I feel like the Lord wants to give you direction on that. And then I also felt like some of us this morning, we have been suffering, we feel like we are suffering and it is just not ending. And so we're just needing some more patience to endure, we need some more patience to continue to wait on the Lord. And so Jesus, would you come and would you, would you meet us in our practical need this morning? You invite us to wait on you, but we need patience to wait on you sometimes. So would you meet us in that? Would you give us what we need, Jesus? So I'm going to invite the ministry team to come up. We're going to continue to worship. And if there's anything else that you would like prayer for this morning, you can get prayer for healing. You can get prayer for something that's been bothering you forever. If you want to get prayer over something you're celebrating, I just welcome you to come and get prayer. Remember, leadership starts with leading yourself. And getting prayer is one of the ways that you can do that. Thanks for being with us this morning. Have a great rest of your day.